Yo guys, what is good? Welcome to FL Teams. My name is Dylan Spaulding. As always here on our USF Weekly Show, we're joined with the, again, the former collegiate quarterback himself, Mr. Vaughn Sakura. Vaughn, it has been an insane week in the world of media for the USF Bulls. This has been one of the craziest weeks I think USF has had as a program in general in terms of football um, and probably a while. Um yeah, there's a lot to talk about. That's all I can really say. Uh, yeah, that's all I can really even sum up this entire week. It has been so crazy from Saturday and the Temple game to Sunday with the big announcement. I remember looking at my phone that day and I was like, holy crap, it actually happened. And uh, and now this week with everything transitioning and all the talk about who's going to be the next head coach. And I was even in the basketball media room. Will Turner, one of the USF uh, Twitter posts, guys who runs the 24-7 site for USF, he was talking about it as well. Who's going to be the next head coach? There's a lot of rumblings this week about some interesting people who could come to South Florida, some who I think are a little bit far-stretched, some who may have some backgrounds to them but actually could fit in well, I think, with the program, and some who – you know, may even come from some lower levels of football as well. So there's a lot to get into in tonight's show, man. Happy to have you on. I mean, this has been a crazy week in football for USF, and it's probably the most intriguing matchup USF has had in a while in terms of just all this. Or all the stuff is really focused on this program and what's next for the program. It's really not even about the play on the field at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, that's, that's the great thing right now, and uh, glad to be back, by the way. Yes, sir. Uh, super excited to do the show. But um, as a USF fan right now, all we can really look to it. I mean, it's this season's over. So yeah. let's have let's have a good time with this with this coaching search. I mean, there's a lot of fun names um, on these perspective lists that everyone's yeah. coming out with, um, yeah. whether that be a Willie Simmons, like you were saying, from a lower level or maybe a John Gruden. We have no idea. Oh my there's, there's a ton of exciting options and it's it's. It's been maybe the most, considering how pitiful this year has been so far, maybe the most exciting moment of the season. <laughs> maybe there, there's probably, this is probably up in like the top three in terms of exciting moments this year. I would say number one has to be like us getting ready for the beginning of the year. Like obviously going into this year, we had so many expectations. Number two had to be the Florida game. Just the way that game played out and how exciting it was as a USF fan just being in that stadium, it was very exciting Like to see that team perform that well, especially for how the team has done the last couple of years. And then, obviously, I would say this would probably be number three, in my opinion, right here, is talking about all this coaching search and the future of what's to come. And as you mentioned, John Gruden being one of the interesting names. Again, we'll talk about that here later on in the show, and we'll talk a bit more about Jeff Scott and the firing. He wasn't the only one to leave, by the way. There was another coach that ended up leaving, but obviously there's no going to be no search as of this moment unless they do end up firing the DC who is currently there. Again, we'll get more in depth into that. But uh, Vaughn, let's talk about this Temple game, man. We came into last week and we said all these great things about this game. You know, this is going to be a low scoring. It was going to be nice. It was going to be, you know, e- you know, not easy, but it was going to be um, a very know, winnable game. Exactly. It was a very winnable game on the schedule. Uh, it looked nice on paper at the beginning of the year. I think every USF fan probably looked at this game, especially with the Howard game as well, and said, you know, this game is very winnable on the schedule. 
And uh, yeah, everything that w- we had said, just don't even listen to us, honestly, anymore. Just don't even take our <laughs> advice at this point, because it was the complete opposite of what we had expected. And then Sunday rolls around and it's the opposite of what we have talked about over and over on this podcast in the past. I mean, what a crazy weekend it was in USF football and j- just a terrible like three quarters. Like the first quarter started out great, but beyond that, it was it was a bad day for the Bulls. I mean, it was just a, it it really sucked the life out of the room and you could tell even in the post-game press conference. Yeah, man, it was real tough. I mean, anytime you give up 56 points to a team that's 2 and 6, it's just awful, man. Real depressing feeling. I mean, yeah. It was 28-33 Temple with one minute to go in the third. So, I mean, the mm-hmm. team had a shot going into the fourth quarter, but continuously, as we've seen all year, just can't put together four quarters of good football, man, whether it be struggling in the first half and then maybe having a better second half, but it's too little too late or yeah. just falling apart at the end like it did here. I mean, the defense just, whether once again, ran out of gas or whatever it was in the fourth quarter, just absolutely struggling. I mean, there was clips that I sent you this week where it's like, this guy is going, he's going untouched on yeah, some of these touchdowns. Crazy. I mean, whether the linebackers aren't filling the gaps right or the guys aren't lined up. I mean, Temple had just an explosive offensive day and that's yeah. something we haven't really seen from them all year. They haven't been a very good football team, but when you face a team as bad as USF, I guess that's what you get. And they just absolutely exploded in that fourth quarter and 56 points is just just can't give that up to that bad of a team and expect to win. Yeah. And, and well, and another thing is too, is you got to remember too. I mean, Temple is in the same boat that we are, you know, they just want to get a win at this point. They're playing with house money. We are as well. They're a desperate football team as well. They just want to get something positive going. And, you know, I, I give credit to Temple. I give credit to EJ Warner. We had mentioned he was going to be kind of the uh, wild card, if you will, in this entire game. And uh, sure enough, he did, but I mean, more so than ever, man, Edward Sadie. I mean, you just can't allow that many yards on the ground, man. 265 rushing yards total on the day, three rushing touchdowns. I mean, that honestly, I, I see why they fired Bob Shoup. I mean, that is a horrible day by the defensive line. As you mentioned, a lot of open holes for the running back to get through there in that game. It was just a bad day by the Bulls and unfortunate too, especially with all the stuff we talked about again, going into this game with it being a winnable game and with this team not scoring a ton of points on offense to see this team really just cough up that much. And we know the defense hasn't played well all year. I mean, they're the second worst defense in college football right now. That's not very good to see that end up happening. It was very disappointing to see that Bulls team end up finishing the way they did. Yeah, man. I mean, if you want to look at the rushing stats, 28 rushes for Temple, 279 yards. So if you're running the football for a first down every single time, it's just – you just can't have it. I mean, we could talk about the injuries. We could talk about not being in the right place. At the end of the day, you can't have it. And that's – I completely understand why Shoup was fired. Um, Just an awful performance by the defense, especially in that fourth quarter. And, I mean, you would think, you know, if we have the personnel in, all right, we're struggling against the run, you know, Maybe there's a couple extra DBs on the field, and and maybe we'll we'll have uh we'll be more inclined to covering the pass. But yep. DJ Warner had a great day, probably his best game all year, first time oh, sure. in uh, I think three games that he hasn't thrown an interception. So like we were saying last week, he's an interception and turnover prone guy. But USF just couldn't force anything out of him. He was making some pretty crazy fading away throws all day. I mean, yeah, it, it was just. It was just a real tough day all around. All 11 on defense were really struggling. But props to EJ Warner for 
playing super well. I mean, super fun that he's he's Kurt's son and all that. But yeah, he hasn't played that well all year, and we really made him look like a superstar on Saturday. We really did, man. And, and it's not like Temple has any like they. I mean, I think a lot of people knew that going into the year, Temple wasn't going to be a competitive football team, like or at least like mostly competitive football team. At least you know, I mean, we probably knew like. Obviously, they beat, uh, what is it, Lafayette it was, or Mm -hmm. one of those teams. Um, And they beat uh, UMass as well, which, again, is almost an FCS win at that point. Like, (laughs) it's, it's, yeah, practically an FCS win at that point. So, for them to to beat USF, uh, you know, a struggling team, obviously, we again, we saw what happened Sunday, and we'll get more into that here. Obviously, the big story, I would say, the talk of the town, if you will, this week. Um, you know, for them to do that, it, it was unacceptable. I mean, that's all I'm going to say. You can't do that. And, um, there's so much more that needs to be done with this team in terms of work and progression. Um, it's unfortunate too, man, because, you know, for a bit, it looked like there was a lot, you know, especially, especially when conference play started, it looked like there was a lot of, you know, growth this team was doing. And, you know, we saw that two lane game. It was there. It, the team was really peaking. The defense was playing well. The offense was kind of getting on a roll. And then Bohannon went down. And I just think it feels like the room has been sucked. The life has been sucked out once Bohannon got taken down. I know, I know players, and I know there are a lot of players who have been injured this year. I know the, the team has lost a lot of guys. But to lose a big name like Bohannon, a leader on this team, who really has that veteran experience, luckily he'll be back next year. But, I mean, to lose a guy like that in you know, a game where they were honestly could have won that game against Tulane, I think it really took the life out of that team, and I, I think they gave up on themselves. And I, I want to say it about the players because, you know, sometimes you try not to blame the players, but at the end of the day, I, I feel like the players have almost somewhat given up as well. Yeah, and it's tough, man. I mean, when you only have one win all year, it's yeah. it's tough to show up to practice every single day, and, yeah. and it's a grind, man. Co- college football and being a student athlete is really one of the toughest things out there. The amount of time and effort – um, you have to put in uh, not only into football but into school as well. Yeah, and having that um, uh, dual uh, issues is really tough. And having to show up to practice every single day, yeah. and then in a game, I mean, the coaches can only tell you to execute better so many times, you know. And yeah. that's what really what it just felt like. Every single press conference was just, "We got to execute better. We got to be better." And it just really never showed up on the field. And yeah, as you're saying, when Bohan went down, it really like you said, suck the air out of the room. And the guys can say what they want about believing in Marsh and and believing in some of the other guys, but they just don't have the experience in college football. And as a quarterback and uh, as a younger guy like Marsh is, Mm -hmm. if you haven't had that experience, there's so many different things and different looks that a defense can throw at you. And if you haven't had that experience, you're bound to make mistakes or not complete as many passes. And you can tell the team, isn't exactly the same without Bohannon, even though they did struggle with points at Bohannon, it was getting better, as you were saying before his big injury. I completely agree, man. Yeah. It's unfortunate again, that it ended up happening this way. And actually we'll talk a little bit about the Bohannon injury a bit more, especially with the whole Jeff Scott and the tie in with that and such. So we'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a few moments, but yeah, just a disappointing loss, man. And, 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 and I want to talk about uh, the post-game press conference. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it. I actually, you did get a chance to listen to it. I, did, I sent it over to you. My bad on that there. Um, you know, just listening to Jeff Scott after the post-game, um, you know, listening to what he had to say, you know, just kind of his, you know, 
his the feeling yeah just everything about him like you you knew something was up you knew he had a conversation with somebody something was happening that we didn't know about or i guess we i should say we didn't know about but we were we people have been expecting and you could just tell man you know and people were having a field day on twitter i'm just gonna say that right now twitter was just going off on this team after saturday but you could tell, you know, something was up with Jeff Scott. I mean, that press conference was tough to watch. Do you not agree with me or do you agree? I agree, man. I mean, I, th- I think you know as a coach when it's really your time to go. And it's tough. I mean, all, all those media guys, the players, the faculty, everyone loves Jeff Scott. As we've been saying all year, I mean, yeah. he really says the right thing. He's a great human being. Yeah. Um, he's done a lot for this program to change um, some of the culture. If, even if that didn't translate to winning on the field, um, him as a man and – and developing these young men to be not only better football players, but better men. Um, he yep. really did a great job. And it's it really tough that um, this situation has to happen to such a good person. But if you just can't produce the product on the field, man, it, you just can't stay. I'm, this program um, is looking for some wins and looking for some hope and, and looking for some improvement. And that just wasn't shown enough to give him even the rest of the season. Yeah, and it's really interesting, too, because even when we went to that Tulane game, I even think media people were becoming irritated. Like it was, it, it was weird. Like it was just, it, it felt like by like right when that Tulane game hit, it just felt like things were changing and stuff in terms of the dynamic. And Jeff Scott, I think was getting fed up with, I think just a lot of things. And obviously I, I think for him, it's, he just wants to win and I completely understand. And for him, it's unfortunate because I think he knows like he wants to, you know, he wants to give the best product out there on the field. And I think, you know, he knows that he's made mistakes and I think he loves his boys and he loves the guys that are, he's getting out there onto the field. It's just, it's unfortunate that I think he wasn't able to get everything put together. And I give credit to Jeff Scott, man. He was very classy about his uh, exit, obviously posted something on like Instagram or Twitter. I believe it was uh, he, one of his social media uh, platforms. He posted a nice lengthy uh, kind of a uh, farewell, if you will, to the program. And I mean, that's just, it's very classy of him, especially the way it ended, you know, it ended right before the end of the year. I think, I think if you're Jeff Scott, you would have hoped that at least you would have finished out the year with the guys, maybe try to grab a win in the war on I-4, at least go off on a high note, get that, you know, war on I-4 trophy. But unfortunately when you lose a game to Temple and, and, and a game that you should have won, and I mean, it's unacceptable, especially when you beat them the year before and you are still only looking for your second FBS win in three years. I mean, it, it does get to a point where you got to start figuring out what's the next step. And especially now, too, with the uh, conference and actually we'll get into the, uh, the the future conference schedule, by the way, that that got dropped today. I forgot to mention. So we'll get into that as well here on today's show as well. Again, a little bit of a lengthier show because of all the stuff that we're covering because uh, it's been a busy week in USF football. But let's, again, jump into Jeff Scott here. Obviously fired on Sunday, as we had talked about. Bob Shoup, who is actually, I I did not know this, he is the co-defensive coordinator uh, with Ernie Sims, uh, also fired as well. And no surprise there in terms of Bob Shoup getting fired. Uh, I guess they could have picked or choose on that. But, um... Uh, again, obviously, Vaughn, you mentioned it perfectly. It was tough to see such a good human being let go. Obviously, I th- I think he's been uh he's very well spoken in what he says to the media. He does a great job, at least just in terms of interactions that I've been able to have with him via Zoom and and from the press conferences. He he says everything what you want to hear from a head coach. It's just again at some point it 
comes down to the the product on the field. And if you can't win with the product on the field, unfortunately, you know, your time has to come. But it's unfortunate, too, because not everything was blamed on Scott. And Michael Kelly even said this a couple days ago. He said some of the things, as you mentioned, um, Vaughn, is some of the things that he did for the program that you can never take away. He changed a lot of the culture in the program, even though it may have not shown out on the football field. Yeah, man. Once again, just just really tough to see him go, but yeah. it is what it is, and then the pro the program's got to move forward at this point. Um, yeah, looking forwards. But I I did uh, read an article. Uh, Matt Baker of the of the Tampa Bay Times did uh, come out with an article today uh, or the day before saying that Jeff Scott did leave it uh, much better than he found it, and that now yeah. that USF does have that indoor practice facility and a little bit. Um, of a better uh, culture as far as players and some of the facilities go. Uh, it's definitely a better spot now than it was in 2019. We do thank Jeff Scott for moving along the program yeah. in that way. And, and, and we're glad that those things are in place because otherwise it's looking like not the most uh, wanted job out there at the moment, but thankfully some of the facilities have been upgraded and uh, just the fact that the schools in Florida should be enough to lure some of these names that have been on the list. Yeah, it's actually, surprisingly, it's a hot job right now. Like, actually, there's a lot of, I mean, if you look at it, you're in a great city, and that's one of the big things is what Michael Kelly was saying in the press conferences. He wants to try to recruit more locally, and I completely agree with that. Keep the Tampa Bay boys right here where they should be. I mean, that's what UCF has done, kept a lot of the guys hometown, you know, in this in the Central Florida area, this region, if you will, maybe even some of the Southwest guys as well. You know, try to recruit some of the guys in the area. I think that's been one of the big things. And the great thing is if you recruit locally, the guys are going to be more passionate about playing because, you know, maybe they grew up watching USF football. Maybe they remember watching Quentin Flowers when they were in high school or when they were in middle school and watching him running around on FSU and all them boys. You know, like maybe recruiting locally brings some passion for some of these players coming into the program because they grew up a USF fan because they grew up locally. And this is their hometown team. Like if you could do that and build that type of culture, I mean, you're going to win every time it feels like, or for the most part, you're going to win every time. And obviously you do have to recruit outside of the state. You're going to get guys who are going to want to come into your program, depending on whether it's the head coach, the culture, you know, whatever it may be, people want to get out of the, you know, wherever the cold weather areas are and come down here and vacation in Florida or, you know, come down and do their schooling in Florida. But um, it's definitely a hot job, man. Um, And I'm excited to see what Daniel DePrado does. I, you know, I want to get into Daniel because I'm happy that he got this opportunity. I think this is going to be a great opportunity for him. Obviously, this is, you know, kind of weird circumstances that he's coming into with, you know, the team at one and eight. Really, we don't know who's going to start at quarterback on Saturday until we I guess we get into that game on Saturday um, to see who will be the starting quarterback for that game. But I think Daniel Prado is a great fit. He loves this program. Um, obviously, I don't expect him to be the head coach of this football team going forward. I don't think anybody expects him. I mean, he could possibly land a job somewhere else after this if he does an okay job these next three weeks, but I don't think that would be enough anyways. Um, 
But I, I think Daniel just loves this pro- program. He bleeds green and gold. You you always see on Twitter, he posts, it's a great day to be a bull, which I love. I think that's a great way to, you know, kind of get the fans energized. You know, it's a good motto to use as well for the players. It's always a great day to be a bull. Like, that's a, I love that. Like, I think Daniel Prado is going to be a nice, you know, coach to have these next three weeks as the team finishes out. And he even said, too, we're just going to have fun. We're just going to have fun, play, and I love that quote as well, man. I'm I'm really excited to see what Data the Prado does. I, I, don't be surprised if he grabs a win here in these next three weeks, maybe against Tulsa next Friday night, especially on prime time. Yeah, man, I'm super excited. He definitely brought the juice in his press conference, and, and that's something we need to see. I mean, Jeff Scott, a little more of a, a low energy, more reserved. Conservative. Yeah. Yeah, more conservative kind of guy. I mean, yeah. Prado, a little more energy. And, I mean, that's really what you need to see um, from your interim guys For sure. who – Really, you need you want a quick change and, and a quick turnaround and and a little bit of that uh, bounce back you sometimes get from a change and uh, a new guy coming in and leading and maybe doing things a little bit differently yep. during the week, preparing a little bit differently. Um, so who knows? Sometimes uh, teams can bounce back big time with these interim coaches who can bring the juice and bring the energy. And I'm super excited that that he's the guy that they picked. And I think they did the right thing by promoting him to head, uh, interim head coach. Didn't when Nebraska fired their head coach, uh, obviously Scott Frost and um, a few weeks ago, didn't they end up winning the game after he got fired? Uh, I don't think lose? so. They, they okay. play, I'm pretty sure they played Oklahoma. Okay. Maybe they played Oklahoma. They, yeah. Because I know there was talks like maybe Nebraska grabs a, a win, you know, plays for the coach, if you will. Um, I, I would love to see that, man. I, I, I think again, Daniel, the Prado, I think what he has said already, I'm excited to see what he does and it's cool. He's at home this week. Doesn't have to worry about traveling. So happy about that, by the way. Like I'm happy that he gets that least play, but it's good though. I think he, it's good that he plays at home. He, you know, at least gets that first game under his belt at the, at his home place at it, at the home stadium. Um, I don't imagine him to change very much at this point in the season. I mean, he could imply his own game plan, maybe mix some things up a little bit, but I don't expect a complete 360 of this, you know, team here heading into these next three weeks. He's probably going to run most of the same offense that Jeff Scott has been running the last couple of weeks in this entire season. So I don't expect much to change. But I'm excited to see what he ends up incorporating. And hopefully maybe we'll see, you know, like a dual receiver 100-yard game maybe. Or, you know, maybe there will be some positives going forward. And one thing I wanted to mention too, by the way, is I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. Brian Batte, I believe, and I believe it might have been Xavier Weaver, had a few people follow him them on Twitter. And a lot of people have been speculating they might be transferring this upcoming year. What do you think about this, Vaughn? Brian Batte possibly transferring? That would be a massive loss for this program, especially how much he's grown as a uh, running back this season. Yeah, it's tough. And we, and we didn't get to that in the Temple game either. He played really well, 19, he did. Uh, 19 carries. Yep. Um, And, and ended up scoring a touchdown and, and rushing for 129 yards as well. So big game from him. He's been one of the most explosive players, uh, not only this year, but last year as well with some of his kick returns and all of that. But I mean, you take away Batia and you take away Weaver, it's taken away a big part of the offense. So sure. really hope that these, those guys can stay and, and kind of be part of an effort of rebuilding the program. But also you can't really blame them if they wanted to go to a bigger program with a little bit more winning tradition and maybe a better shot to continue to try and work towards the NFL, because those are definitely mm-hmm. two of the guys on the roster who have a shot. But on Saturday, 
Weaver was the only receiver who recorded more than one catch. So you take away Weaver and you take away Batie, it's not looking too hot, especially uh, how the offense has played this year. So two super talented guys would hate to see them go, but it's also completely understandable at the same time. Actually, I will write that uh, that what you just said there. There was one other receiver who caught more than one catch. It was Mr. Kelly Joyner Jr., but he had negative yardage. So uh, he caught two passes, My but had negative yardage. It's all good. It's all good. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding, man. But um, nah, yeah, I mean, it will be a huge loss if we lose Weaver. How much Weaver has been a big part of this offense is huge. Been unfortunate, man. We haven't seen much of Jimmy Horn ever since that really that big game that he had that one day against ECU. Unfortunately, we haven't really got to see too much of him. Maybe if Bohannon was still under center, again, a lot of things could have been different if Bohannon was still under center. There's a lot of things that really could have changed, uh, you know, possibly here these last couple of weeks of the season. But obviously we can't take away he got injured and such. We can't obviously beat around the bush there with that. But I'm excited to see what Daniel DePrado does, man. Saturday is going to be awesome. Obviously, the salute to service game for these USF Bulls. Um, Ernie's, oh, they're fire. I mean, amazing uniforms, by the way. And uh, what I love about it is, too, they wore them last year, bringing them back this year. I'm so happy about that. So looking forward to seeing those out on the field for Saturday. Uh, Ernie Sims is now the sole defensive coordinator. So Bob Shoup no longer there. Now we'll see if they obviously get rid of him as well, depending on how the defense plays these next three weeks. Maybe they'll get rid of him at the end of the year. Kind of that's up in the air right now. I mean, honestly, they should because the way the defense is played, they should just get rid of everybody and start fresh at that DC position. That's Not just a bad me, idea. just me personally, but. Maybe Ernie Sims by himself, maybe not having that co-defense coordinator, maybe that makes things a little bit easier. Maybe that, you know, takes away that extra man that, you know, can control that defense. Maybe Ernie Sims by himself actually will help this defense, you know, have a little bit of a leader, if you will, instead of having two leaders. I don't know what the dynamic was between them two. Never really got the chance to talk to Bob Shoup. Haven't got even a chance to talk to Travis Trickett either. But I'm interested to see what Ernie Sims could do now that he's going to be running the defense by himself. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Uh, one of the new things about the interim coach, too, is hopefully we get to see some new looks on defense. Um, yep. Hopefully maybe new personnel, uh, some new players entering the fold, some new yep. looks, um, some new blitzes. All that is part of the exciting part of a little bit of a change in a coaching staff. And uh, no matter what the outcome is on Saturday, uh, it's going to be exciting to see exactly what these new coaches put on the field. Yeah, this is more so a test game. Kind of see where everybody's at with these new head coach, uh, with uh, DePrado, see where the defense is at. There's a lot of more so just seeing what this team is capable of doing with a different head coach. Again, the last, you know, again, we had Jeff Scott last uh, last three years. Um, you know, DePrado came in with Jeff Scott, basically, or he said that a lot of the, what he learned and the reason why he was be, you know, given this opportunity isn't part of what Jeff Scott had taught him, which I think is, you know, cool that, you know, Jeff Scott did change a lot of even the coaching staff culture as well, which I think is massive as well um, in terms of, you know, the way these guys are coached out on the field and uh, the way the coaches are coaching the players out there as well. And for Jeff Scott to, you know, really leave an imprint on that as well is uh, good to see. I want to talk about these uh, coaching candidates that are available, dude. Uh, these are interesting. Willie Simmons, is, if I'm not mistaken, has been arguably probably the hottest candidate. Um, Willie actually had said in a press conference from what I read on Twitter that um, 
his agent deals with all that and that he has not spoke to USF at all. Obviously, I don't know how true it is. I didn't even get to listen to any audio. If there is audio to it, um, if there is audio, please send it to me. I would love to listen to it to see what he actually said and how he said it, because I'll be very interesting and kind of will base my opinion on what uh, if it's, you know, if he's just lying, bullshitting us, basically. <laughs> well, but, he also he also did say I think I think he also made a comment yesterday that um, when you have a lot of success uh, at a school, schools are going to come calling. And he was did he really I think he was say- saying the right things that. Uh, it was his players and thanks to his staff. And so, I mean, that's sounding pretty good. I also heard that his wife was uh, following some people on Twitter as well. So, mm. well, well, we'll, we'll see. I will looking say like the, this. I would say he was, he's the most looking like the most likely candidate right now. Well, I will say this right now, man. I applied for media credentials for the FAMU Bethune game next week. That is going to be interesting to cover next week, especially with all the Willie Simmons talk here at USF. Actually, this will be a great like joint uh, in terms of coverage, if you will, Absolutely. if that ends up happening. But um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Willie Simmons, obviously, I think ha- it right now has to be the top candidate as of right now. And a great thing is you keep him in Florida. He knows this state already, but coaching in Florida, he's got head coaching experience, which I think is what you need. Um, I-, I would love to see Willie Simmons come to this program. I thought, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not, I thought Willie Simmons actually played with USF or he had some tie with USF. I'm going to have to look this up. I want to make sure I'm saying this right. Cause well, one, one I, fun fact about him is he did, he coached one year of high school in 2005. And in 2005, his quarterback was former USF QB BJ Daniels. who's on the staff this year. He's on the staff. Yeah. So, very exciting. But, um, uh, Willie Simmons, if you don't know, was at Prairie View A&M, uh, who's also in the SWAC uh, okay. with FAMU, yep. Yep. Who, who was very solid. Uh, he, I think he coached there until 2017 and then took over at FAMU, and they're one of the best teams in the SWAC this year. Very hard to compete with Jackson State with everything that Dion's got on, going on over there, but if you take away Jackson State, and they might be the second best team in the SWAC, and he's done a good job uh, as a former QB installing a very QB-friendly offense, and so and an offense that's that's been really fun to watch uh, in the glimpses yep. that I've seen of FAMU this year, and he's a guy that I'd be I'm super excited about. Um, no baggage like some of the other guys, and uh, yeah, he would be. He's a great candidate, and it's looking like he's the most likely one at this moment. Yeah, at this moment, he's. I think he's got to be the most likely again. A Florida guy, uh, you know, coming out of the state of Florida, as you mentioned, he coached high school in Florida with uh, Lincoln High School, so. He's got some Florida experience also coaching high school. You know, obviously he might have some high school, you know, um, ties as well with some of the maybe local high schools in the area. So would be a great hire if we get Willie Simmons. The other uh, coach I saw, and this was more so I would say out there, but a lot of sources. And even my uh, good friend Will Turner uh, saying it for 24-7 Sports saying that uh, the definitely some of the sources were true. Uh, about this man, John Gruden, becoming the head coach of USF. I mean, talk about if he gets hired, the shell shock that would happen here in the Tampa Bay area. Not only that, maybe in the college football world. I mean, this would be if, if John Gruden becomes a head coach, man. And I I read something online that he would, if he wants a job, it's all his from what I read. Yeah. If John I, Gruden I becomes a, a head check. Yeah. It's a blank check, really. I heard the boosters would would give him whatever he wanted, but 
it's 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 tough man i mean all, all the stuff all the emails and everything can yeah. usf hire him in good conscience that's really the question yeah i mean uh usf has done a really good job over the last couple of years making sure um that lgbtq and um and inclusion and they've been doing a really good job and it, it would be tough to turn around and hire a guy like john gruden who had some of those issues but if you take that away and just talk about football what an exciting opportunity for a guy who was living in tampa doing the ffca for a long time when yep. he used to have his uh qb show before the draft he would film that in florida as well so long time floridian and obviously the tampa bay bucks winning a super bowl with them was yes, absolutely sir. huge but i do have another couple concerns though i mean the Raiders weren't the best when he was there. They obviously paid him a hundred million dollar contract to come back, which was absolutely huge. But his <laughs> offense did look a little bit dated. I have to say he was struggling against some of those NFL defenses. And how would that pro style early more to more early two thousands style era really? Yeah. Um, how would that fit in with USF? And I'm not really sure, but just the name and the brand recognition would be absolutely huge for a team. If, they can hire him in good conscience with all of the issues that he had with the Raiders. Yeah, and take away all the issues. John Gruden has been a huge contributor to USF. If you look at all the stuff he's done, he's always going to USF games or he's gone to USF games. He's supported the program a lot. Like, I, you know, John Gruden has supported the Tampa area a lot in, in more ways than one. I give credit to that aspect of it. Um, you know, in terms of that. But yeah, in terms of all the off-the-field stuff with the emails and stuff, and maybe him going to college might be the route to avoid the whole, you know, because you're going to NFL, the yeah, exactly. The media, there's more media coverage in the NFL than there probably will be a USF football. But when you hire a name like John Gruden though, and especially with all the stuff that he's done in the past in coaching and all the stuff that's happened in the past with everything in the last couple of years um, with the whole email scandal. I mean, to be honest with you, man, it, it, you know, there would be a lot of media attention towards this program again. Um, and it would be massive because you don't see coaches like these going to collegiate programs and going in and, and, and getting hired, you know, it's, it's just not common. And, if he does end up getting hired, it will be a massive signing. As you mentioned, Vaughn, um, or, you know, a couple weeks ago and in past podcasts as well. I mean, you mentioned, you know, it would be, you know, you want to get that big higher name. Well, I mean, John Gruden will be that big higher name, but it's just a matter of, as you mentioned, is it good conscious enough to get a guy who's had that kind of uh, dirty past, if you will, in, in terms of stuff that he's done in the past from what we've seen the last couple of years. So, Definitely will be interesting. Another guy I wrote down was Scott Frost, just because obviously, you know, taking a UCF program who's in, you know, a similar situation that we are in and really turning them around. Because you look at UCF, man, they were 0-12 in the dumps after having, you know, a great couple of years with Blake Bortles. Kind of similar situation. You know, USF had some great years with Taggart and, and a little bit with Strong as well. You bring in, you know, Scott, nothing really worked out. And then you have to try to re, you know, kind of get the program off its ground again. And Scott Frost could be another guy as well who could come in. There's been a lot of names run out. I know Tom Herman I saw on one of somebody's list. There's a lot of names that are being thrown out right now. I feel like they need to get somebody with head coaching experience. So, Yeah, I agree. And uh, Frost, really interesting. I mean, Nebraska is just really tough spot. It's it's hard to win uh, in the Big Ten, especially yep. – when you're in Nebraska, I mean, it's not what it used to be in the 90s. The recruitings uh, yeah. struggled certainly a lot more. But the thing with Frost is the, that man could not win a close game at Nebraska. I mean, 
props to him for keeping games close, but if you're not winning <laughs> any of them, does it does it matter? I mean, that's oh, the, no. that's the one, that's the big concern I would have if I was Michael Kelly hiring Scott Frost. Is he going to be able to win some of these close games um, with USF? Yeah, and some of the the game management and clock management was just really tough. And I know that those are all things that can be fixed. And I mean, for sure. maybe it's time for him to take a step down and, and come back to the group of five and, and build his resume again. And uh, Frost still an, a great offensive mind, but yep. some real struggles at Nebraska that definitely need to be looked at if he's going to be the next guy. I completely agree. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see um, what's it, what's what ends up happening at the head coaching position. I think Willie Simmons is probably the ideal choice right now as, as we speak with just, I mean, again, there's really he's got no he's just got a squeaky background. He's, I you know, coming from FAMU and HBCU school, which obviously is, again, you know, part of, you know, kind of this new era we're in now with, you know, inclusion and, and um, LGBTQ plus as well for USF. Obviously, USF is big with that and uh, kind of being strictly with that as well. Um, so, I, yeah, I have to agree, man. I think Willie Simmons would be a great fit. I would love to see him uh, in a USF uh, the USF colors, if you will, the, the green and gold. So it'll be awesome, man. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. It's gonna be a very interesting uh, few months here because remember spring football kicks off. I believe what it's in May, March, actually March is going to be spring football. So spring football is going to be coming around in February. You're going to have to find a head coach here in the next two months. It's not going to be a, uh, a elongated process, if you will, to find that next head coach. Yeah, I think, uh, the Jeff Scott coaching uh, search took nine days. So I know they're trying to get somebody before that December 5th. That's when the transfer portal opens up and okay. you can start talking yep. mm-hmm. to recruits. So I think Michael Kelly mentioned that he would like to have somebody in place by December 5th. But we'll we'll see. I mean, you got to finish out the year with uh, these other coaches. You have to finish up with their other teams yeah. um, as I, well. I think, so. I think USF needs to wait till after the UCF game. Keep everybody in, you know, on pace because there's already been so much that's happened with the program. Finish out the year with these three guys. Maybe you do find that head coach, but you wait to make the official announcement until after that UCF game. Let the dust settle on the season. Maybe take a look back at what you guys had. Because if you do it here and say if you hire a Willie Simmons or if you do hire a big name like John Gruden, for example, if you hire them in the next like three weeks, I mean, there's going to be so much talk about that and people are going to be talking about other things other than the program. It's another distraction this team is going to have to face that they've already had to face with so much this season that I think they don't need, especially when you get into the late part of the season. And these guys really just want to focus on grabbing wins here and just kind of playing spoiler and maybe even grab a a war on I-4 title, which could be the last time these boys ever play against UCF in the war on I-4 rivalry, which again, we'll talk about what might be the new rivalry in the uh, new AAC, if you will hear it just shortly, but let's talk about the SMU game. Now salute to service Saturday, by the way, it is um, veterans day on Friday. I just want to say to all our servicemen and women, uh, out there who are serving or who have served our country. I would like to thank everyone for their service, uh, for keeping us safe and for letting us do what we get to do best doing USF media here in the Bay area. But um, regardless of that SMU USF, man, it's the, uh, the battle of, uh, of Tampa Bay, if you will, in terms of the USA colors, because you got SMU blue, red, and white and USF, as we mentioned, breaking out the, the Americana digs, if you will, the USA patriotic colors. And it's, it's a clean look excited, but uh, they got a tough test SMU, man. You want to talk about putting 
Daniel DePrado on the spot in terms of his <laughs> first game here as a head coach. A team that scored 77 last week in one of the highest scoring college football games in history. Scoring. The highest. 77 in regulation, freaking, in regulation. In regulation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 77 points last week against Houston. Top 10 scoring offense, top five passing offense. This might be a field day for SMU for these Mustangs coming in from Dallas, Texas here into Tampa Bay. Yeah, man, it's scary. Their head coach, uh, Rhett, Rhett Lashley, is really a great offensive mind is, and has been admired by guys for a long time. Had a little bit of a tough time at the University of Miami, but it's tough to call plays there. Mm-hmm. Either way, they've been outstanding offensively all year. Feels like Tanner Mordecai, who feels like it's his 10th year playing, but he's still there and, and he can really throw the rock around. And he has some really cool offensive stuff that he does. And as we've been saying, with the, all of these defensive struggles, SMU could score 145 points this week, and I yep. wouldn't be that surprised. But overall, it, it like all jokes aside, it is going to be a very tough test um, with such an elite offensive unit so far. But on the other hand, they can't play defense either. So maybe the USF offense uh, could put up uh, one of their better showings uh, against this team who's giving up 34 points a game on average so far this season. Yeah, Tanner Mordecai is playing ridiculous right now. 25 touchdowns. The SMU might be the like most underrated AAC team because everybody's focusing on Tulane and UCF and all these, you know, those top schools, Cincinnati, obviously the world and such. You know, you look what SMU did last week. It is scary what this team is bringing in here heading into this week. I mean, you mentioned again, Tanner Mordecai is having a fantastic year this year. 25 touchdowns, 2,500 passing yards offensively this season. And uh, their running back core is something something not to shy alone about as well here, my friend. You look at their running back core, three players – with uh, three or more rushing touchdowns on the year in Trey Siggers, TJ McDaniel, and uh, Tyler Levine. I mean, it's been a, a pretty impressive year all around offensively for this team. But as you mentioned, the defense also struggling. Has a lot, a lot of points against a lot of these teams and wins. I mean, you look at the day, a lot 63 against Houston. Houston should be winning games with 63 points, not losing games with 63 points. It was a very interesting game and dynamic last week in terms of that game um this is an smu team that again as you mentioned can allow a lot of points but usf though their offense is kind of tricky right now because we don't know who the quarterback might be we saw uh, a, a rookie quarterback if you will last week a freshman quarterback come in for usf uh katravis marsh actually did play a pretty decent game he had three touchdowns only one pick but we saw a freshman quarterback come in. We kind of saw a lot of freshmen come in. We're not really sure what to expect with this team heading into this week because it feels like some of the younger guys are getting some reps. Obviously, we know the injuries have been a, a cause, and we've seen guys step up, but it feels like some of these freshman players are, might, might get some of their uh, just-do playing time, if you will, just to get some experience heading into the next season. Yeah, and as Lebrado said, uh, we – it's it's going to be about fun, and we got to throw some stuff at the wall and see what sticks at this point. Yeah. I mean, looking forward, see of the guys who are going to stay, who who can really play ball next year, and uh, yep. think it's a chance. Yeah, let's get those younger guys in and experience. Um, as as we've seen with Marsh, you don't have experience, it's tough. And I mean, even 
even if the team isn't playing well, a couple drives here in a quarter and uh, a half here or a half there can go a really long way for a young player in his development and his experience yeah. and even his confidence going forward. So if we do end up seeing um, some more of the freshman QBs or who, who knows, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 the, it really there's is. a lot no. that, that USF could, could throw out and uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And that's one of the most exciting things about this week is yeah. the, the personnel could be all over the place, but that could also allow us to see some future stars. So yeah. It's such an it's such an interesting week, man. Like there's so everything is on the table at this point for this team because there's nothing we really have to play for outside of maybe that final game against UCF. If you want to win that Warren I four that bad, which I imagine we will want to win that game just because it is a rivalry game and it's gonna be the last football game we play against UCF as of right now. Obviously, we'll see if they end up adding them on the schedule later on here down the road, but I mean, it's going to be really, really, really interesting to see where this team ends up going, who could be this, obviously, breakout player that we didn't know about. I mean, there might be a freshman receiver out there who might have been, it might be the next Xavier Weaver. You just kind of never know at this point, man. It's it's really just, I, I think at this point, as you mentioned, just have fun. You're playing at this point just with house money. Go out there and sling the ball and see what happens. Like I it's so hard to talk about this team now because they're really at this point there are no more expectations. This team we already know what this team's like. We know now, you know, there's really no you know, nothing to there's no goal at this point, uh, unless you just want to play good and grab wins. So just go out there and just have fun and maybe you do grab a win. You play some spoiler and you enjoy yourself while you're out there because uh, for some of these guys, it will be their last time in a USF uniform. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see, as you mentioned, the dynamic, kind of see what's going to happen. Um, I want to go into our players of the game, if you will, for this game. Um, I guess we'll begin on the offensive side of things first. Uh, let's begin with USF, I guess, because I, I think USF is going to be the intriguing team here heading into this weekend in terms of what we could see. Who do you have as your player of the game or player to watch, if you will, for this USF game? Uh, I'm going to go with Bati just because he's been such a stud these last couple of weeks. I'm really excited to see what he could do. Such an explosive player, maybe the most fun guy to watch uh, on our offense right now. Some great cuts, uh, just a, a lot of exciting stuff that he's shown so far. And like we said, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed he'll stay uh, for the next year. But he's just been such a stud this year. One of the few uh, bright spots. And I'm really glad uh, I was calling for earlier in the season. Let's get Bati some more touches. Let's get yes, some, Bati some more touches, <laughs> you know. Like he's shown how explosive he really is, and yeah. especially building on that great kick returner season last year, has really transitioned into a, a very, very, very good running back this year. Yeah, and if he ends up do, if he ends up deciding he wants to go to a new, um, you know, program, whatever the case may be, I mean, he's going to be a great, you know, attribute to have for whatever team he ends up going to, and uh, obviously he'll be very much missed if he ends up leaving this program. He's definitely a big, been a big part of the offense. I mean. Everybody has saw it heading into the year, Jaron Mangum. You know, everybody looked at Mangum as being the guy who was going to get a lot of touches. We have not seen Mangum very much at all this season. He's been getting barely any of the touches. Batty has really became that main running back. He reminds me a little bit of a uh, Tony Pollard type running back or, you know, some guy who is kind of quick, speedy out of the backfield. He makes nice cuts behind, out of the backfield as well. He kind of knows how to transition through the field. I, I, I think he does a really impressive job. I've been so happy. And I think part of that too comes from his special teams background, being able to kind of 
find his way through, you know, the field and being, I think he's got great vision in the field of play and just kind of knowing where to go in terms of finding his gap and, and finding that open space. I really think he does a fantastic job at that. Um, I, I'm going to go, and this is going to be interesting. I'm going to go with his counterpart in this, Michael Dukes. I've been intrigued about how Michael Duke has played this year. He's got four TDs on the season. He's gotten a lot more touches. He's kind of been the complimentary piece to Batty. I'm looking forward to see what he can do. As you mentioned, this is a game where at this point in the year, we're just playing with house money. We're going to throw out whatever we can and see what sticks. Maybe Dukes becomes that Mangum in terms of, you know, that kind of complimentary piece. Because again, we haven't seen much of Mangum in his uh, in the, this season with him for us this year. So I'm hoping maybe Dukes can maybe get a, a, a couple yards here in this game this weekend. Obviously I don't think he'll get more than bat T, but I think if he gets like 50 yards and a touchdown, I'll be pretty happy about his performance because I want to see more out of Dukes. I think Dukes has some potential to be uh, a nice running back piece. And if it, if bat T ends up leaving, he could be our next, you know, guy coming up and stepping up for this offense. Yeah, man, he, he's been uh pretty fun in in a couple short spots this year but it would be exciting once again like let's throw some stuff at the wall and and if he comes out and impresses great and if he comes out and does it no big deal next guy up you know yeah yeah i mean honestly again at this point i can honestly put out any of these players and and most likely you know they could have a good game this weekend it's really in terms of the uh my DraftKings fantasy lineup, it's gonna be very <laughs> difficult to uh fill it out for the USF Bulls if I did one this weekend. But uh regardless of that, let's uh let's get into now the uh, SMU offensive player to watch this week. I-, I think we're gonna have the same player. I I don't think this is no contest. I'm gonna go Tanner Mordecai. I mean, Mordecai's gotta be the player to watch. He he's the man, but I have one other guy to mention. They do okay. already have a thousand yard receiver in Rice Rashi or yeah. Rashi Rice, who has been really explosive this year. I mean, it's really difficult to average 120 yards a game in college, um, especially with how defenses can adjust and and really try to shut a guy down. He's been excellent all year and and eight touchdowns and Mordecai's favorite target and his guy he really trusts and also a guy that USF needs to focus on and make sure. All right, maybe uh, he doesn't get to 120, but maybe we can limit him and slow him down a little bit to maybe 60 to 80 yards and take away one of Mordecai's favorite targets. Yeah. I, I honestly, if I were to pick Mordecai, I would probably go Rasheed, which, what is it? Uh, Rasheed Rice. Yeah. I would probably go him as well. Um, I completely agree with that because I mean, Rice has had a really good year. I mean, having a thousand yards at this point in the year is impressive. Eight touchdowns. He might end up with 10 by the end of the year. I imagine he would probably with there being a couple weeks left in the season that's a good complimentary piece to have after this next game yeah honestly the way yeah (laughs) yeah please Mm, mm. uh yeah yeah it would uh it would i i could actually see that happen 10 touchdowns could be in his forecast this weekend in tampa bay um yeah i'm interested to see that combo this weekend i'm I'm looking forward to see how they kind of match up against our defense what our defense is going to have planned against this tanner you know against tanner mordecai and against Rashi Rice I think it's gonna be very interesting to see what the defense brings out to the table again with a lot of the you know changes at coaching staff with the coaching staff and really at this point with them playing with house money it's gonna be interesting to see what ends up happening here for this team um let's go to the defensive side of things um obviously these are two defenses that have not been playing very well this season um but regardless of that who is your defensive player to watch and who's your offensive player to or not offensive uh your defense player to watch for usf and smu 
So my defensive player to watch for SMU is going to be Nick Roberts. Yep. He had two picks last week, uh, safety for them, uh, grad transfer uh, senior. So really trying to play out his last couple games here. And uh, it's just been a lockdown corner all year for them. Uh, one of their uh, few bright spots in, in the team that's given up 34 points a game. He has uh, played pretty well and and uh, can really snag the ball and, and force some turnovers. And as a guy that uh, the USF QBs are really going to need to watch out for on Saturday. I completely agree with that. Um, yeah, Nick, Nick Roberts has had, has had a very nice season this year for this SMU squad. I'm actually going to go somebody a little bit different here. I'm going to go Nelson Paul. Uh, five sacks on the year for Nelson Paul this year. Uh, five sacks of a total of 34 yards lost in terms of the opposing team. Pretty nice season for Nelson Paul. He's been a, a beast on the line. And I thought I mixed it up a little bit since you picked Nick Roberts. I thought I'll mix it up here with uh, – Nelson Paul, he really has had a great year for this SMU team. SMU's defense hasn't been the brightest for the most part. So he's had a very nice year this year for SMU. I'm excited to see what he can do this Saturday against a USF team that their offensive line has struggled a lot this year. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll go to USF here. They're our defensive player for USF to watch out for. Who do you got for a defensive player to watch out for? Obviously, Dwayne Bowles, Boyles, excuse me, has to be the sexy pick, if you will, here for this team. But uh, who do you have here heading into this uh, this weekend? Well, in, in true media fashion, I am going to go with the sexy pick just because, um, as these seniors have, have been saying, like we only have so many games left, and and he's yeah. really one of the guys that this defense wants to play for and wants to make sure you know he has a great experience these last couple games. He's been and a monster all year, probably the best defensive player and has been our defensive player to watch in a lot of these games and has been one of the only defensive players that has been fun to watch in some of these games as well. Um, so Boyles, a senior, really got to try to do the best they can to, to push it and, and have the best defensive performance possible in these last couple games. So he's going to be my guy to watch once again, although he is the obvious pick. This is tough, man. I'm I am going to go Boyles as well. Um, I, I this was actually very tough. I was looking at a few players. Amaris Brown. I was looking at. I was also looking at my boy last week, who I ended up going with, Mister. Uh, uh, what is it, Jav- uh, Vaughn? Last week I went with uh, mm-hmm. for my player of the week. He disappointed me, man. He didn't get a sack last week. I was very disappointed about that. But, uh, you know, you can't uh, hope for anything, everything happening here. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Dwayne Boyles, man. He's had a, a the best season out of anybody on this defense. He's been the leader of this defense. I'm very excited to see what he could do against SMU this Saturday. Um, you know, we have to have a good defensive game if we want to be SMU. I don't think we are going to be SMU, which will kind of go into my prediction here in a second. Um but I do think Dwayne Boyles is a difference maker for this defense. He brings that energy to the defense. We saw what he did against Tulane. Um, we've seen what he's done in the past here in these last couple of games. He's the guy's just an animal. He's a freak, and uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Definitely uh, a future NFL draft pick for sure. Yeah, he's the man, and 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 he's been really fun to watch all year. And once again, yeah. one of the guys that team really needs to rally around and and uh, have fun and have the best experience possible. Uh, for these seniors who are reminds me a bit out. of a Jason Pierre Paul, a little bit, a little bit. Just his energy that he brings, he reminds me a little bit of JPP. Yeah, great, great frame too on Boyle's real for thick sure. and tall and fast and and yeah. everything you really want. Yeah, um, out of that end or linebacker that's rushing and and he's been really fun to watch and super excited to see what he could do possibly in the next level. 
Definitely, man. Yeah, I would hope. I hope that he gets drafted. That'd be awesome. I hope a lot of you know, a few of these guys get drafted. I don't. I shouldn't say a lot of them because I don't know. You know, no offense. A few to of them. Any, a few of them. A few, few of them. them. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody's gonna make the NFL. Not everybody wants to go to the NFL, anyways. So I mean, people do, but I'll just I'll just stop it there. Honestly, um, regardless, predictions for this Saturday, man. SMU USF. Right now, on paper, um, the. Over-unders at 72 on Odd Shark, from what I read. Um, we are 17.5-point underdogs heading into this game. Uh, they do have the score projected at, like, 28-16, to 16, which is, is very weird for the score. I don't think it's going to be that case at all. Uh, what do you got as a prediction for this Saturday? It's going to be tough, man. I mean, all the offensive stuff we talked about, I mean, it's their great offense against our yep. tough defense, and, I mean, it's it's really going to be tough with all the stuff that Lashley is going to throw, especially at a new coaching staff who uh, – not a new coaching staff, but new positions and, and new opportunities and new jobs uh, being done throughout the week. And they're really going to have to have a great game plan um, if they want to stop a QB who had 10 touchdowns last week. 10. So if he approaches anything near that, we're going to be in trouble. But as far as a score prediction for this game, uh, I would say – uh, hopefully USF gets a little bit of that interim coach juice and uh, the offense uh, can perform well against a uh, defense that has struggled all year. I'm going to go SMU 40 USF 21. See, I, I had a similar uh, score prediction. I'm going to go SMU 45. I'm going to go USF. Uh, I'll give them like 26 or something. I'm going to say 26. I, they do get past 20 points. I think they go score 20 plus points. I think USF starts out the way they've been starting out. They kind of get off to a little bit of a hot start. Remember where they had a lot of struggles early on in the year in terms of getting out to a hot start. They finally it's flipped. figured it's flipped. Yeah. It's completely fill. It's completely flipped. The team has not been able to really finish these games again. Um, like they did last year. And it's unfortunate to see it happen this way, but I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to go 46 to, or no, my yeah no 45 20, 20 yeah 45 right, there 26 go. there we go i got it right uh 45 26 i'm gonna go smu beating usf in the salute to service game it's unfortunate obviously you want to see this team win but i just think this team smu team is too good this is too good of an smu team for daniel deprado to knock off in his first game as a head coach next week against to tulsa much better of a different, yeah a little bit of a different story that might be an interesting game, especially with being a short week as well, being played on a Friday. So we'll, again, talk more about that heading into next week. But that, that's my prediction, man. It's going to be a very interesting game heading into Saturday. Um, before we do go, I want to talk about the future conference schedule. Uh, the conference schedule for the future, obviously, we always love talking about the future. We talked a little bit about it today with the <laughs> head coaching hire situation. Um the conference schedule for the next uh, four years had came out. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to see it. I'd imagine I you probably did. Okay, you did. Uh, very interesting schedule. And I have to admit, man, 2023, you know, if Bohannon's back fully healthy, back to where he was kind of getting going here, especially the last couple of weeks uh, before he got injured, if he's back to that way he was playing and, you know, you got a new head coach in who's, you know, bringing that winning culture to this program, Next season, man, could be a, a good year for USF because you look at the schedule, it's it's really not that difficult heading into the next year. You got four very winnable home games. Uh, you got a game against Navy, 
in conference play. Obviously, you got Alabama. I don't expect any of us don't expect us to beat them just yet. But 2023, man, looks like a good year. Maybe for us to make a bowl game. I don't want to like shoot that far, but I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility the way the schedule is based. Um, obviously, we got games against UTSA and Jeff Trailer's done a fantastic job. I got to give credit to Jeff Trailer, man. I watch a lot of their videos on YouTube. Uh, these two guys who do media for them do a great job at covering uh, UTSA football. Jeff Trailer has done a very good job in, in getting that program to where it's at. You got UAB who's done a very good job as well, building up that program from losing it a couple of years ago, which uh, is really cool to see them have it, all this success. And even Memphis have been a team that have kind of been, you know, a battling team the last couple of years as well. Um, so we'll be seeing them next year. Uh, 2024, we'll get to see North Texas for the first time um, in the American Conference. And I believe that is all of them. Yeah. North Texas will be the only team we won't get to see in 2023. That's coming over from the conference USA. Uh, what do you think about the, the, the future conference schedule, man? I mean, it's obviously the same. There's going to be no divisions, 14 teams, total um, eight conference games going to be played um, total. What do you think about the, uh, this conference schedule? Much more palatable, man. I mean, yeah. it obviously you want to play the best competition you can, and we're doing that with Alabama next year. But other than that, it's, with where this program's at right now, the schedule looks looks great, man. I mean, these are some lower level teams right now, and and that's where USF is at as well. So they're definitely gonna have a chance. I mean, Rice, very winnable game. Florida Atlantic, very winnable game. Charlotte, very winnable game. Temple, we play better next year. Very winnable yeah. game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Navy, Navy, once again, very winnable game. So, like you were saying, a a bowl game is not completely out of the question, even for a team that is struggling as bad as USF has this year. Um, a lot of the competition uh, from this year is is going away. I think uh, Memphis and UAB will probably be uh, two of the teams battling. Uh, UTSA for, as well. Yeah, UTSA as well, battling for those top spots. But other than that, uh, the rest of the conference is looking pretty weak right now. And, uh, um, I mean, we saw from the Sun Belt this year they exploded, so you never know what you're going to get from uh, some of these group of five conferences. But much more palatable a little bit less competition and uh, a spot for USF to really win some games, uh, build some confidence moving forward as a program. And I, th I think that's very important and I'm glad yeah. that they got some of these weaker teams. Yeah, definitely. For sure, man. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what the, uh, what the schedule is or not what the schedule is called. Like uh, I'm very interested to see kind of what this team does going forward again um, with this schedule being a little bit easier and with the teams that are coming in, not, every team that's coming in are going to be top tier contenders. Again, as I mentioned, UTSA has changed their complete culture. Jeff trailer has done a fantastic job with that program. Memphis is a team. SMU is another team that, you know, you'll have to see in the future as well, who could be very good. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting things. I was trying to pull up a tweet here on my phone before we uh, sign off here about uh, they, they, somebody had posted a tweet here recently and it was, kind of broke down all the USF um, schedule. Maybe it was Will, actually, that had posted it. Let me see if he was the one that posted it real quick. Give me one second. Yeah, and, and just one more thing on this uh, schedule. Uh, super fun to be uh, playing some of these teams as well. UTSA, super fun team to watch. Uh, yeah. UAB, really good defensively uh, the yep. last couple of years. North Texas has had some fun games, so – Really some some games that I'm super interested to see how these teams will match up and and play against each other and, and some really fun games uh, 
for USF and some and once again some games that they'll they'll be in, which will of course make it a little more fun for the fans uh, with the struggles we've had the last couple of years. But super excited f- for this schedule and uh, and really think that the next head coach is going to be in a spot of success with once again some of these weaker teams. But hey, let's build a program. Let's pick up some wins. A win's a yes, win, sir. man. I mean. The one win against Howard this year, I mean, it's a win. You know, we'll take it. So uh, some of the weaker competition going forward is not necessarily a bad thing. Were you able to find that tweet? I did, actually. I did awesome. find it. So uh, it was by Chris Vanini, I believe it is. I believe I said his name correctly. Um, he posted a great tweet and really broke down everything. Um, yeah, no divisions in the 14-team schedule. Uh, eight conference games. Uh, you're going to play everyone at least twice in over four years. And then the annual rivalries. Um, you tell me what you think about these annual rivalries. North Texas SMU. I love it. That's a great rivalry. Obviously, uh, two Texas teams should be pretty good. Uh, you got UAB in Memphis. I like it. Two kind of Southern teams. I, I think that should be a very intriguing rivalry, especially with the way those two teams are. Rice and UTSA, uh, I mean, you know, okay. Rice two is, more Texas teams. but Yeah, two Rice more Texas really teams. It's, it's good in, you know, in-state, if you will. Uh, Charlotte ECU, again, another in-state rivalry. FAU-USF is going to be interesting. And uh, Navy Temple will also be the other rivalry, which is basically just two American teams going at it. So for the most part, um, you got two Conference USA teams who will be just basically playing each other again every year. Um, two American teams will be playing each other, obviously, as as we speak right now. And then you've got, you know, teams who will be who haven't played each other yet in terms of the conference and stuff who will be playing each other. So I'm very much looking forward to it, man. It should be awesome to see kind of what the future is. I know we don't play ECU until 2024 again, if I'm not mistaken. And then we don't play Tulane until 2025. So it's going to be a while since until we play Tulane again in football. So a uh, very interesting schedule. I like the 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 layout of it. I like the breakdown of it. I think it's going to be uh, very interesting to see what USF does here in the kind of revamped American Athletic Conference set. In my opinion, you know, they always say the power six. And by the way, I don't know if it's you, but do you think they need to take that away once UCF and Cincinnati and, and, and Houston leaves? Like, do they take away the power six conference? Because the conference is changing. It's not going to be yeah, power it's, six. It's going to be tough. It's going to really be tough with some of these teams to market it as the premier uh, group of five conference, especially with how the Sun Belt's been playing and some of these yeah. other conferences. So that power six moniker uh, might be a goner after these teams moving up to the Big 12. Yeah, honestly. And and you got to remember, too, another thing is, um, you know, you got Houston in basketball who might be winning the national title this upcoming season. So, I mean – you're going to be losing teams not only in football, but in basketball as well. There's a lot of stuff that's going to be changing. You're going to lose some really good baseball programs as well. ECU's got a great baseball program that's been very good the last couple of years. There's a lot of stuff that the Americans going to be losing. Actually, no, ECU's staying. What am I talking about? ECU's staying in the conference. My bad. Um, But, I mean, you're still going to be losing some big teams out of this conference and, you know, losing UCF. Is huge. You lose that war on I-4 rivalry. I'm happy, though. We're at least going to get FAU. We're going to have a kind of a rivalry. Maybe we'll build something with FAU, and uh, we get to pick on Isaac for a week, so this will be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, ma- let's make a trophy or something, man. Like, bring yes. the juice. Make it fun. Yes. You know, these rivalry games, you know, USF doesn't – I mean, other than UCF doesn't have a, a real rival right now. So, you know, make it fun. Bring the juice, and uh, hopefully FAU could be uh, – 
a rival that we could beat up on in the next couple of years instead of uh, maybe, some of the struggles we've had against Yeah, UCF. maybe we could do – maybe we could call it, like, the battle in the beaches. You know, you got Tampa Bay. You That's got Boca Raton. I like that. I, I think it'll be kind of cool. You know, it plays on the Florida theme, but also, you know, it, it continues kind of a, a nice little rivalry. Maybe you could play, I don't know, for, like, a – I don't know, like – what is it called a sand pail or something like a, <laughs> i don't i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll figure the trophy out later or something i don't yeah. know we'll see we'll, um we'll put some more thought into that one yeah yeah we'll, we'll figure that one out here later on but uh regardless of that man a lot of exciting stuff happening this saturday got what smu we? football we got auburn and usf men's basketball on friday so we got that coverage for you we're gonna have florida and m and bethune cookman next week dude i am so pumped for that that is gonna be freaking fire i can't wait and we got the ucf game in two weeks that's gonna be amazing three straight weeks of awesome football we're gonna have for you guys on fl teams vaughn we got a, a early kick next week in terms of the game day it's gonna be on a on a friday night nine o'clock kick next friday we're going to have a little bit of an earlier week in the show. I mean, we'll probably end up doing it like Tuesday or Wednesday, but it's still going to be an earlier a day in the week, if you will, for the show. But uh, we got a, a, a late week kick for that game next week. So looking forward to that, man. And then uh, we're back at home for UCF, man. It's uh, almost done with the year. And then we get into basketball season. So a lot of exciting stuff, man, coming the way. Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting. And, and once again, let's, let's hope that some of these guys who have been in the program for a long time can yes, just sir. have fun and, uh, and and let's see what some of these guys can do, you know. Once again, uh, throw stuff at the wall, see what sticks, try out uh, four QBs, five QBs. What does it matter, man? Like, let's <laughs> oh let's let's have some fun. <laughs> Honestly, let's just throw our kicker out there to like to be honest. It'll play the complete Madden. Um, yeah, honestly. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. It should be interesting. I'm excited for Saturday. Uh, it's really gonna be again. I think since that BYU game, it's gonna be one of the most intriguing games to watch out for this season for us um, in terms of like what's this team going to look like. I think that's really, it's really been kind of the first game since then. Uh, so we'll see to be interesting, but uh, for myself, for Von Sikora, uh we are signing off here this evening. We will see you guys next week for USF and Tulsa on Friday night. So we'll be previewing that game as well. And we'll also be recapping the SMU game from the Saturday. So peace out guys. See you guys later and we'll see you next week.